Thank you so much, praise band and uh, praise team. It's just been a marvelous morning of worship together. Today, I invite you to open your Bible if you have a copy or copy of God's Word, or turn it on and find with me Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. The series that we've been in is called "Embracing the Savior." We're looking at different characters in the um, Christmas story and uh, and how they embraced the Savior, about how they responded to the good news and responded to the message that God brought to him. Today we're going to look into a very familiar passage in Luke chapter 1. It's about Mary and how the angel Gabriel came to her. And I want you to think today about how she responds to the gift of God's grace in her life. So if you have your Bible, Luke's Gospel chapter 1. Now we're going to gather today, uh, this week with friends and family. Maybe you've already done so or you're in the midst of it. It might happen today, and you're going to have food and fellowship with one another and enjoy one another and, and uh, share and exchange maybe some gifts with one another. And uh, when you think about it, I don't know, has anybody ever gotten a gift that you really didn't want? There's a great return day, they say. And so when people leave town, you decide to go and take it back. And so... Uh, or you re-gift it to someone else and hope they don't know. And so sometimes that's the way we respond to a gift, and sometimes we're just absolutely overwhelmed with a gift. We get a gift we didn't see coming. We get a gift that's unbelievable. I remember as a boy, I got a gift of a BB gun when I was nine. What were they thinking? <laughs> I remember right after we hadn't lived in... Troy very long. It was uh, Christmas 1987. And so only been here a year or so. And uh, it was Christmas and Christy surprised uh, the Jeebers right out of me. She bought me a brand new 12-gauge shotgun. Awesome. (laughs) It was great. She knows nothing about guns. But she got her dad involved in the process and I was totally surprised. It's a beautiful gun. I, I love it. I, I still use it, admire it, and love to shoot it. And uh, so after I'd opened that, it, we'd finished all of our Christmas with our little family, and we were living in the parsonage at the time over at the other ch- next to the other church. And after we put the gifts away, uh, the kids had kind of left the room, and she said, by the way, she goes, we're going to have another baby. <laughs> the fourth one. She said, Merry Christmas. (laughs) The gift that keeps on giving. And so so it was awesome. I want you to look today in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Great story. This is the greatest gift ever given. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice! Hail, grace-favored woman. 
The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I've not been intimate with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, first of all, I want you to notice it's a very simple kind of setting, isn't it? Look with me in verse number 26. It says, it's just simple. It says in the sixth month, sixth month of what? This is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And this angel, and we've talked about angels in recent weeks, and his name's Gabriel. He's a messenger from God. He stands in the very presence of God. and He's coming to bring a message sent by God. He's sent also, you could say, from God. He's from heaven, by God, with a message to a very simple place, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. He's of the lineage of David, and her name is Mary. Hmm. Notice it's just very simple. As compared to the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, it's an Zacharias, when he receives the word from the same angel, Gabriel. Instead, that's in Jerusalem. That's in the capital city. That's in the temple on a holy day of worship where many people are thronging around to pray and talk to God and hear God. And it's a, it's a, a time of holy worship and burning of incense. And it's a great day for this priest to be ministering in such a way chosen by lot to do so. And so this priest, in a very public kind of thing, he sees his vision. He comes out, he's so changed. People know he's been delayed. And they know that God has spoken to him. It's more public. It's it's in a greater place. It's in a more public place. It's It's in the capital city. But here, it's a simple thing. It's in a rural backwater village in Galilee where a lot of Gentiles live, not in Judea. It's it's in a place called Nazareth, a small, very insignificant town about 70 miles to the north of Jerusalem. 
and he comes to a poor, peasant, young, teenage girl, a virgin who's never been married, although she's betrothed, she's going to be finally married, and she's a virgin girl. She's engaged to a man named Joseph. He's of the lineage of David, but he's a a poor peasant. Woodworking was his career. So comes the angel of the Lord, comes to remote, rural, private place. And this young boy is a descendant of David, and the girl's a virgin. Her name is Mary, very popular name, Miriam. It's the Hebrew name. It's Moses' sister was named Miriam. Many young girls named Mary after Miriam. It's just a very simple setting, but the message is a message that's filled with amazing grace, isn't it? It starts out by the very word of grace. Notice what it says in this passage of Scripture in verse number 28. What does the angel of the Lord say to her? The angel of the Lord came to her and said, Rejoice! Hail! Actually, the word is... is It's like an alliteration of the word favor or grace. Grace, favored, graced woman. It's it's vocative. It's speaking to her. Hail, speaking to her directly. Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. It's grace to you. You are graced by God. The Lord is with you. The Lord accepts you. The Lord is pouring out his grace upon you. It's like the words peace and grace to you, shalom. It's, it's grace, God's grace, poured out on you, young woman. You see here, there's grace that was needed by Mary. There's grace extended from God and grace received into her life. He calls her favored one, God's favor resting upon Mary. Mary doesn't deserve his grace. Mary does not give out grace. Mary is in need of receiving God's grace. She's the object of his grace. And he says to her, the Lord is with you. This is indicative. He, he's with you presently. He, he is now with you. He's at your right side. You are not alone, Mary. God is with you. And you are not alone. You could not film Home Alone with Mary because God is with her. And this salutation, this greeting, troubles her. And the Bible says she was casting about in her mind. What does this mean? This greeting. He said, don't be afraid. Because you found favor with God. You found his grace. And I think this is just the message of amazing grace for all of us. Mary needed God's grace. Mary, too, was sinful. Mary, don't, folks, be careful. So we don't get a wrong theology here about Mary. What a wonderful young woman. But she too was a sinner needing God's grace. She wasn't perfect. While she would bear a son, he would be her savior. Because Jesus would die for her as well. And folks, I want to tell you something. All of us in this room need the grace of God in our life. We have no hope of salvation without his grace. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. Listen to what Paul said. For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. You can't earn your way, deserve your way, work your way into heaven, be good enough to get into heaven. You never deserve God's favor. It's all his grace. Amen. Titus chapter number 3. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this spirit on us abundantly. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the hope of of eternal life. This is the grace of the Lord. Mary knew that she was an humble servant. She knew that she was in need of God's grace. Listen to what she sings in the Magnificat when she breaks out in song in verse number, in verse number 46 of the same chapter. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. My Savior. Because he's looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. Amen. She experienced the grace of God. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Secondly, today I want us to not only know the amazing grace, but there's something, great truth here. There's a particular election that takes place, right? It's a particular one. He, God chooses this young girl. Well, notice with me in the verse, it says, now listen, listen close, Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you, you, Mary, will call his name, Jesus, and he will be great. This is coming to you, Mary. God's doing something special in you, and you've been chosen, selected, elected to this. The Lord chose Mary to bless her and to make her a blessing. He chose to reveal himself and to use her in this way. She was chosen not because she merited it or deserved it or there wasn't any other good virgin girls in all of Galilee. He chose her by his initiative, by God's plan. And he said, Mary, God is calling you. Folks, your salvation is a work of Almighty God in your life. And you don't earn it. And you don't deserve it. It's God's work in you. God calls us, not the basis of our righteous deeds that we have done. But it's because of his mercy and grace. God chooses very imperfect people, doesn't he? You know, God chose, and you look throughout the scripture of men and women that he chose. 
And he chooses Noah. Well, was Noah perfect? No, he wasn't. Was there sin in Noah? Yes, there was. It had come down from Adam to all mankind. Yet God chooses Abram. Abram was uh, a wandering Aramean, the scripture says. He, he was a his family, Terah, and they, they, they worshipped idols and other gods. They weren't pure. God chose Abram, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, there's a person needing grace, amen? And God uses him. His name, very name, means cheater, heel snatcher, supplanter. That's, that's who he is. What should we say of other great men like Moses, murderer, Aaron, weak as he was, and Joshua, and Gideon, Gideon, valiant soldier, right? Scared to death. And then there's Hannah, and there's Rahab the harlot, and Ruth the Moabitess, and David, and Solomon. And Solomon had problems, so he had women problems, right? And then what about these guys like fishermen, like Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew, a tax collector? These are very imperfect men, but God in his sovereignty chooses and changes to use them. What about Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of the church, conservative, righteous, lawkeeper? but persecuting Christ and his church. But God chooses him, changes him. That's what God does today. That's why Paul could write later when he says, listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. God instead takes the simple, the foolish, to shame the wise and the base, to shame the strong. It's all based in his grace and his elective purpose. And you were chosen too. I haven't been chosen for many things in my life. Some things I've been chosen for I prefer not to be chosen for. Twice chosen by the IRS for an audit. That was awesome. I was never going to be chosen to the NBA. They don't recognize talent. <laughs> or the NFL. Or select universities. As a matter of fact, someday I'm going to die. I don't know when. And 50 years after I'm gone... Hardly anyone will ever remember I was here. But the God of heaven chose me. And he chose you. And if you respond to his grace, you are part of God's chosen people. Electing, calling, changing you. Amen. John chapter 15, verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, 
he will give you. Ephesians chapter 1 says, For he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with the beloved. Folks, understand this. God loves you and has a plan for your life. And so he had a plan for Mary's life. Now Mary, God reveals to her that this baby going to be born in her will have a divine identity. And look at what the angel of the Lord says concerning that identity in verse number 31. Do you have your Bible? Look with me what it says. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth, Mary, to a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. The word Jesus is sort of a Greek word, a name from Joshua, Yeshua. He will be great. This is what we know about. He'll be mega. He'll be great. He'll be an amazing man. And he will be called what? The Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, watch, look at me right here. Notice, first of all, his name's Jesus. He'll be a savior. So, Mary, you want to know about this divine identity? First of all, he's a, just a savior. Jehovah is salvation. Jesus, he saves. That means he will redeem. That means he will deliver from oppression that he will set free those who are captive. He will be a savior. And so his name will be called Jesus. Not only that, he'll be a son. A son of whom? The Most High. See it right there? The son of the Most High. He, he, he says he won't be a son by human descent, but he'll be a son of the Most High. Only one other was a son of the Most High, and that's the first Adam. And this will be the second Adam who comes to redeem men from their sin. Amen? He is a Savior. He is a son of the Most High. And he is sovereign. He is sovereign because the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever and ever. He will rule and reign over the house of Jacob. He will rule. He'll be Messiah. He'll be in the lineage of his father, David. And concerning his kingdom, there's no end to his kingdom. He will be king. He is the prince of peace. He is eternal father. He is a wonder of a counselor. He is mighty God. And he rules and he reigns forever. For over all the nations. Because he's a name above every name. He's sovereign. This is no ordinary birth. Mary. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, there's an interesting scenario. It's a, filled with great drama and picture about the coming of the end. 
And the Bible says that the heavens opened and out comes a white horse. And there's one that's seated on it. His name is Faithful and True. And it says, in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are like flames of fire. And on his head are many crowns or diadems. And there's a name written that no one knows but himself. And he's clothed with this robe. And the robe is stained with blood. And the name is the Word of God. And behind him are armies in heaven on white horses that come out. And there's in his mouth a sword, a double-edged sword. And it says he will smite the nations and rule with a wrought iron and tread the winepress of God's fierce wrath, the Almighty God. And on his robe and tattooed on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Lord of all the earth. This is the one born to you. Amen? Wow. Next notice, a miraculous life. Mary wonders how in the world can this be? How can this happen? I've not been with a man. Listen what the Lord says to her. He reminds her that God's going to do this thing. Verse number 35. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one, the Holy One, this holy thing, to be born will be called the Son of God. He said, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He said, Mary, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary, this is an amazing thing. God's Spirit will be active upon you. I'm reminded in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2, that, that, that the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God is described like a bird hovering, brooding over the surface of the waters. God is creating. God will create something in you, Mary. Something that's a miracle. It will be the wind of God itself, the breath, the ruach of God, the Blow into your life and create. He will overshadow you. That's a picture almost like a cloud. The, the glory of God, the, the cloud that led the children of Israel out of Egypt and led them along the way. The tabernacle, remember that they built it and over the tabernacle was the glory of God, this shadow, this cloud, God's presence of light and presence and Right over the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim and the gold top. And inside that box were this, the law of God and the glory of God rest on it. And now God is creating a perfect son 
in you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the God, and the Word was God, and the Word becomes flesh and tabernacled among men. And we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father. God creating. Wow. It's a miracle. But let me just say this quickly. Your salvation is a miracle too. It's a miracle of God's spirit working in you, changing you. And just like the life of Jesus fashioned in Mary's womb was a creative work of God, miraculous, so your new birth is miraculous. You remember Nicodemus coming to Jesus. Notice the next slide, please. And he says to Jesus, Nick says, I, uh, he, Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, I assure you, unless someone's born again, born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he's old? Nicodemus says, can he go into mother's womb a second time? No, you can't. He says, well, I assure you, unless somebody's born of water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. He said, don't be amazed to me. I'm telling you, you must be born from above again. The wind blows where it pleases, you hear its sound, you don't know where it comes from, where it's going. It's when, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Here's exactly the truth. Tim is dead in his trespasses and sin. Tim is separated from God, and Tim has no hope. But God, in his mercy and grace, reveals Christ to me. And I see and hear the gospel, and I respond in faith to God. But the Spirit of God in all of that process is awakening me, quickening me, and making me alive. And Christ is being fashioned in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is amazing and a miracle work of God in me. And that's the great opportunity, the thing. It's God's work in us. How does Mary respond? Look at the next slide, please. With humble submission. She says, I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. I'm yours. And the angel left her. I love what Mary said, and our time's about done, but listen. She said, I'm God's. This life I have is not mine. It's his. Did it cost Mary? I think Mary doesn't know all the details how this is going to work out. She hears the angel's message and she goes, well, my dream was to get married to Joseph. My dream was to have a family. But it's not my life. It's his. And Joseph will never understand this probably. And Joseph was going to be my husband. And there, I'm sure my reputation will be sullied in the I'm sure I'll be scorned as a woman that's unfaithful. I know there'll be a stigma all my life because people won't understand me. And I may suffer alienation and loneliness because of it, but my life is not mine, it's his. It's not my will, but his be done. And she's willing to be rejected and suffer. And she says, I'm the Lord's life. I submit to him. 
Very similar words were said on the lips of our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, and there's a cup of wrath that he's about to drink for all of us. And he said, not my will, but thine be done. And he embraces the cross. He embraces the shame. He takes our sin upon himself. And he suffers and dies alone to redeem us. What a Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, this is how you embrace the Savior. Let him deny himself and take up, embrace his own cross and follow after me. Mary embraced the Savior in humble submission. Will you embrace him this Christmas? How do I embrace him, Pastor Tim? These are our takeaways, aren't they? Number one, my life is not my own. Would you say it with me out loud? Number two, I yield my life to his will. Number three, I trust my life to you. This is how we embrace the Savior. Amen? Father in heaven, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, and our deacons are coming now to help. Father, as they approach the table to help us, I pray that, Father, as we take this supper, we'll remember that Jesus died for our sin. He bore the full penalty of our sin, that he was buried and died the death that we deserve. But he rose again victorious, giving everlasting life for all who put their faith and trust in him. Father, as we take this supper today, I pray that we repent and turn from sin, that we yield our life to Jesus, that as we eat this bread, we say, I trust in what Jesus did for me. As we drink this cup, we believe that his blood paid the full penalty of our sin. Lord, may we respond and embrace Jesus today. In his name we pray, amen.